0: Chris and we are finally back for another edition of the NBN Weekly Recap Podcast. Took a little break there for a while, but uh, we're back. And um, joining me this week is Cameron Peters. Hi, I'm Cameron. I'm also an NBN politics supporter, and I am joining James for this week's edition of the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Um, so let's get right to it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot happening this week. Um, the first thing we wanted to talk about was the Sri Lanka... Um, bombings uh, on Easter last Sunday, um, three different bombing sites throughout Sri Lanka um, that killed over 250 people, um, and ISIS was claiming a lot of the uh, attackers. Um, at first, they thought it was an internal group, and uh, but then ISIS started claiming um, credit. And then we got news that um, the Sri Lankan president and the national security apparatus within the country were sort of at odds, and there possibly wasn't information being um, being uh, allocated properly because uh, uh, apparently they actually had documents about this group that has been had been uh, active in terrorist activities in their country, but it hadn't gotten to the national security team, and they hadn't done anything about it. So um, obviously a, a tragic event, um, and definitely religiously motivated. Sri Lanka is an interesting country, very religiously diverse. Um but the majority is actually Buddhist and then they have um some Hindus, some Muslims, some Christians, but the attack was on Christian three Christian churches throughout the country. Um so yeah, um horrible event and also just kind of interesting that it kind of showed some of the internal political divides um within the Sri Lankan government. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, terrible, terrible event,
1: but interesting to look at the broad perspective of several religiously motivated attacks, uh, kind of in a row, we had the New Zealand shooting at a mosque, uh, we had this, and then just yesterday we had an attack on a synagogue at the end of Passover, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, that brings us to the other, um, story this week in Los Angeles, um, a shooting at a, a, a synagogue, um, one was, one person was killed, three person, people were wounded, um, and again, this this was done by, I believe, a 19-year-old yep, kid 19-year-old. Um, who it was clearly anti-Semitic. He had posted some things on social media, I believe. Um, so yeah, definitely in the, the past couple months of arising these religiously motivated attacks, I think there was um, some evidence that this was motivated, this was a response, link, right? Uh, linked to New Zealand. I yeah, believe. yeah.
1: Uh, he had a manifesto similar to the New Zealand Shooters' manifesto. They were both on 4chan, 8chan, some of those... Scary rabbit hole message boards um, and I think the, uh, the Los Angeles shooter had a, um, a
0: live stream similar to what the New Zealand shooter attempted to do so scary scary trend. yeah, awful um, awful events. It also definitely brings up questions about the role of social media and how they should respond. Um, Facebook came under fire after New Zealand the New Zealand shooting about live streaming and, and being uh, doing a better job of censoring and vetting things. Um, but it's also obviously tricky because of, you know, free speech and, and open access and they're kind of, that's their goal, but they need to do something to actually have a vetting process.
1: And of course in Sri Lanka after the attack, they closed off all social media. So mm-hmm. obviously that's a little harder to do, uh, both constitutionally and practically in the U S um, and a lot of other countries, but just interesting to see one response.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how Facebook and others respond to that now. Um, other news this week, um, Joe Biden is now in the race, full-on campaigning, um, and we got news that he gave Anita Hill a call uh, recently. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that? Uh, yeah.
1: So apparently right before he announced, which seems like an interesting timing considering it's been, what, 30-plus years now, but right before he announced, Joe Biden gave Anita Hill of... Um, it's only been
0: 28, Cameron. Come 28.
1: <laughs> yeah, gave Anita Hill a call of Clarence Thomas' confirmation hearing fame. Um, she accused him of sexual harassment, and um, Biden. a lot of people have accused Biden of treating her poorly and not giving her enough of a voice during that hearing, and that's kind of followed Biden in and out of the national spotlight uh, since it happened. And um, it looks like it's going to be, maybe not a defining issue, but definitely a big issue that Biden's going to have to answer going into his campaign, and I don't think he's done a good enough job yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Hill said... She didn't feel like it was a sincere or full apology. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time he said he's sorry about how she was treated, but he hasn't personally said, I am sorry for how I treated Anita Hill. And I think a lot of people are still looking to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be something he's going to have to battle with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for context, this was 1991 uh, uh, confirmation hearing for Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice. Uh, Joe Biden was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee um, overseeing the confirmation hearing. And Anita Hill came out with sexual um, harassment allegations against Thomas, and people think that he didn't handle it very well, which I don't think he did. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, this is something that is connected to a lot of the allegations recently about Biden's, you know, touchiness and insensitivity for yeah. towards the sexual harassment um, alle- towards sexual harassment in general. Um, and so yeah, Hill said it wasn't a good enough apology, and that she's going to uh, be looking for more, but. Um, Some think that Biden is kind of being strategic about this, not trying to fully apologize and embrace the Me Too sort of cultural moment because that might alienate some of the more moderate um, political or socially... Um, like anti, you know, yeah, yeah anti PC culture, uh, uh, moderate Democrats. So, yeah, and, we'll see how he moves forward. As rollouts go, Biden's had an interesting week. I mean, he
1: claims he set a, a new fundraising record, six point three million dollars in the first twenty four hours, topping Beto O'Rourke, who I believe had six point one, mm-hmm. and Bernie Sanders, who was in the high mm-hmm. five somethings, five point eight maybe. But he also got caught up in another little controversy. Um, he featured Charlottesville really prominently in his announcement video, and. Uh, Uh, The mother of Heather Heyer, who was killed uh, by neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, said she wasn't really um, informed that that was going to be featured so prominently in his video, and um, so that was in the news and not in a good way for Biden, along Mm -hmm. with the hell stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That and some attention on how he's fundraising, which uh, is definitely much more large donor-based than most of the rest of the field. Yeah, not as grassroots, yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, and also, uh, in 2020 news, we can't leave out poor Seth Moulton, who was number 19 earlier this week, right beh- before Biden. So, Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, Biden is around 20 now, but we also had Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton um, of uh, Nancy Pelosi challenger fame. That didn't go very well for him, but uh, he's, a, he's a veteran, a um, uh, longtime Massachusetts congressman, and he's in the race We'll see how that goes for him.
0: <laughs> Remember the name folks. He, this is where it all started. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> and ended probably. Yeah,
0: exactly. No. Um, but yeah, Biden is still pulling ahead, uh, slightly ahead of Bernie who's next and then Buttigieg is rising. Um, so yeah. he's, I think around third now and then it kind of drops off to Kamala Harris, Warren, Booker, Klobuchar, um, yeah, and, and all of the there right now. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So, uh, we'll see how, how that plays out. Um, in other news this week, the Supreme Court just agreed to take up a case in the fall. They had been deciding whether or not to take it up for a while, but they agreed um, to hear it. It's about basically um, whether or not the Civil Rights Act protects job discrimination for um, gay and transgender individuals, um, so Obama had sort of um, – had. Uh, These these rights for gay and transgender individuals and the Trump administration is trying to roll those back. And so it's kind of been in flux recently. Um, And so it's it's the recently the um, uh, federal appeals courts in Chicago and New York and I believe Cincinnati uh, ruled that the gay and uh, gay and lesbian and transgender employees uh, do have these protections. Um, but those have been appealed now further, and the Supreme Court now will, will make that ruling. So it'll be a really interesting test of the, the new conservative court uh, and their their views on that. And also on the topic of appealed cases and a new
1: conservative majority on the courts, we have a case about uh, the citizenship question of the census that's being um, in oral arguments right now. That'll be really interesting. It's been struck down by, I think, three lower courts at this point. But uh, based on the argument so far, it seems like the yeah the new conservative majority is leaning towards it, and that mm-hmm. could have some really interesting, uh, some really dire repercussions yeah, for really the accuracy of the census.
0: So it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens with that. Um, yeah, it'll disincentivize you know undocumented immigrants from yeah. from filling out the census, of which we have what, 11 million still, so um, it'll really mess up the population count in general, and it'll mess up in areas that have more immigrants, higher immigrant populations, they won't get as many resources Mm -hmm. because the census is used to allocate resources to different municipalities, so, yeah, really consequential, and that's being it screw-up funding, would screw-up allocation of um, house seats in 2020, um, all sorts of things, potentially, so... Mm -hmm. Um, so next um, on the docket, uh, <laughs> Bibi Netanyahu, our best friend in Israel, um, up to some, some interesting behaviors. Uh, so recently, um, Trump, rec- uh, breaking from long decades of tradition in U.S. foreign policy, recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, which is an area that they acquired, I believe, in the 60s um, through force um, uh, with oh, yeah. the, in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um and no, basically the international community has rejected their sovereignty yep. over that territory for years. Um, but Trump, just in a in a you know nod towards Netanyahu and Israel, um, recognized their sovereignty. And BB is now very grateful, and he's trying to or wants to um, now that coming off his victory in the recent Israeli election, it wants to name an area in Golan Heights after President Trump. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, definitely interesting. They borrowed that from Syria uh, about 60
1: years ago now and just really haven't given it back. So um, the the big problem around that is it kind of puts a nail in the coffin of any potential for a two-state solution. If mm-hmm. you're looking at West Bank, Gaza Strip, Golan Heights, all those occupied territories. Um, and I think Netanyahu's presidency in general has kind of yes. put a nail in that coffin already. He's, but He's the first Israeli Prime Minister to come out and or, uh, against two state solution, I believe. Um, his Likud party has been, uh, for a long time in opposition
0: to that, but it's uh, significant to have a prime minister going yeah. on record being against it. So. And to have a U.S. president who is encouraging that. Cause I think yeah. he, he, uh, he might've wanted to embrace, uh, one or to reject the two state solution during Obama's presidency, but he was facing, uh, you know, backlash because Obama wanted to work towards some sort of two state solution. Um, mm-hmm. But now Trump is embracing that and not giving him any backlash. So um, it's making it easier for him to, to do these things. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, lastly, uh, we <laughs> got to talk about the NRA. Interesting yeah. internal stuff happening there. Um, Oliver North, the, of, of Iran-Contra fame um, the, and current president of the NRA, is stepping down. Um, there's been some conflicts with him between him and the Chief Executive, uh, Lapierre. and um, they're also now under investigation by the New York Attorney General's office because their headquarters are in New York. So, um, and that's for, I believe, um, funding and also, um, uh, yeah, financial improp- improprieties, um, some weird uh, expense, expense report stuff, and a lot of uh, sexual harassment. Uh, political activity, a lot of different things that uh, they're being investigated for. So um, we'll see who steps in into that power vacuum there. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I personally think it's a good thing that Oliver North is not heading the NRA any, anymore. But <laughs> yeah, the NRA has had a, an interesting and I guess deservedly
1: bad week. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that all kind of pans out for them. But there have been uh, kind of accusations. Just rolling beneath, beneath the surface for a long time, that they have some interesting funding sources. So we'll see what uh, the NYAG turns up. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I am more than happy to see all of our
0: North uh, relegated to the dustbin of history. <laughs> yes, let's hope he does not pop back up. Um, <laughs> uh, 2020 candidate? <laughs> um, but yeah, those are all the the major stories that we wanted to cover. Anything else popped uh, up for you this week you wanted to talk about? Oh, God. I mean, a million things,
1: but it all <laughs> kind of comes and goes um, with this news cycle. So, we're talking 2020 in the category of NRA having a bad week. Trump was at their national convention earlier this week, and despite um, despite previous promises by him and by uh, congressional Republicans that they are going to run on healthcare in 2020, and they're going to make that an issue that work for them, and protect pre-existing conditions. He went on at great length about how they've destabilized Obamacare, and now they are, and I quote, going for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and some then ad-maker is having a very good week. And then Mitch McConnell immediately came out and said, no, never. don't ignore that, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and also in the Biden column, uh, we had
1: our dear president doubling down on all of his Charlottesville bullshit from...
0: Um, yeah, from years yeah. past. So. He said something like, um, if you go back and look at what I said, it was actually the perfect response. It wasn't. So <laughs> I think we can objectively say it was not the perfect response. There, there are not very fine people on both
1: sides. Robert E. Lee was a white supremacist. He owned slaves and he was not good. There should not be statues of him um, and there should not be neo-Nazis in Charlottesville or anywhere else.
0: And the president is full of shit. Hot takes, guys. You'll hear them all day takes. from us. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, keep your eye out for more news this week, and we'll be back uh, next Sunday. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening.